Welcome, it's indisputable. We got a lot of show today, all right? We got Jackson White, he will break down news of the day with me, co-founder of E and executive EIC of Politoscope, <laughs> all right? And TYT Rebel HQ creator. Now, we will also have a special bullpen segment that's gonna be interesting. We will discuss accuracy in media, okay? Now, Kyle Rittenhouse is my top story. Kyle Rittenhouse, in my opinion, got away with murder. And I'm going to explain to you why this is murder and how this case has turned upside down what we know as the Castle Doctrine. But the truth is, they have been chipping away at the Castle Doctrine for years in the United States. Now, Kyle Rittenhouse says, Black Lives Matter, he has no problem with it. He actually supports the movement, here it is. This case has nothing to do with race. Um, it never had anything to do with race. It had to do with the right to self-defense. Right. Um, I'm not a racist person, I support the BLM movement. I support peacefully demonstrating and I believe there needs to be change. I believe there's a lot of prosecutorial misconduct, not just in my case, but in other cases. And it's just amazing to see how, how much a prosecutor can take advantage of somebody. The killer, Kyle Rittenhouse, is lying. See, body language gives him away as well. When he says that he supports the Black Lives Matter movement, he's shaking his head like this. Go back and look at the video, okay? He doesn't believe what he's saying. Now, naturally, He's on with Tucker Carlson that we interview tonight. Tucker Carlson, Fox News, safe haven for all things racist. So let's talk about the elements of racism that do exist. Obviously, the criminal justice system was biased in his favor. That is a racial element, okay? You don't have to simply be aggressive against black people in order to be racist. Remember why he was there. He traveled to that state because he was anti Black Lives Matter protesters. That's why he was there. Let me remind everyone that in this Rittenhouse clip, Rittenhouse spoke out denying his case was related to race in the clip of his interview with Tucker Carlson. Acquitted teen was spotted on Sunday having lunch in Florida, where he filmed the sit down interview. Meanwhile, protests continue in Kenosha and several other cities over the not guilty verdict. This case, according to Kyle Rittenhouse, has nothing to do with race. It had nothing to do with race. It had to do with the right of self defense. Rittenhouse told Fox News host Tucker Carlson in an interview filmed on Sunday. He went on to say, and I quote, I'm not a racist person, I support the BLM movement and peacefully demonstrating. The teen added in an advanced clip of the interview, which is set to air on Monday night, okay? They put out this part of the interview because they are coming to the rescue of Kyle Rittenhouse. Here's what the conservative right, here's what they're trying to protect Kyle Rittenhouse from. They don't want Kyle Rittenhouse to become Zimmerman, okay? That's what they're trying to protect. Now Zimmerman, who also got away with murder in my opinion, 
has lived a loser of a life. Well, he was a loser before it, okay? Remember, Matt Gates has already offered Kyle Rittenhouse a job in Congress. You have people going to his defense. There were celebrations that Kyle Rittenhouse was found not guilty. We have video after video all across America, people inside of bars in particular, white people especially, cheering and applauding the not guilty verdict. Now, why is that? Was Kyle Rittenhouse their son? No. Did they have some personal stake in the case? No. But why are they celebrating like this? Because they see their movement personified in Kyle Rittenhouse. Their movement that says, we can go to a protest for black people, for black lives. We can go to their protest armed, violating state law. We can be the aggressor and we can kill someone if they got something to say about it and get away with it. So let me show you how this expands the castle doctrine and why I believe Kyle Rittenhouse got away with murder. The castle doctrine also known as a castle law or a defense of habitation law is a legal doctrine that designates a person's abode or any legally occupied place, for example, a vehicle or home as a place in which that person has protections and immunities permitting one in certain circumstances to use force. Real simple, right? Real simple stuff. If you are somewhere that you are supposed to be, it doesn't work if you're somewhere you're not supposed to be. If you're somewhere where you're supposed to be, somebody tries to attack you, you can use force. And yes, you can even use deadly force if the circumstance warrants it, right? Simple, castle doctrine. And then there was an expansion of that doctrine called stand your ground. Let's go to stand your ground. Stand your ground laws allow a person to use deadly force in a confrontation, no abode necessary, without any duty to retreat, even when they can do so safely. We have allowed them to chip away at the self-defense clause for decades in this country. You see, Wisconsin still has a state law that says you cannot use deadly force to protect property. Why? Because the duty to retreat is still statutory in Wisconsin. Now states like Florida and some other states that have stand your ground laws, no. Confrontation can permit the immunity from your prosecution if you kill somebody, all right? And now look at what this case has done. This case is now said in very plain terms. You can go to another state, you can enter into a very chaotic situation. You can bring a weapon illegally. You can then be the aggressor, you can antagonize. And when they try to disarm you because you are the antagonist here, armed and dangerous. When they try to disarm you because you have no legal authority to do what you're doing. You cannot use deadly force to protect property, not even your own property, unless your life is in danger at that property and you are inside of the property. You have a duty to retreat safely, a duty to retreat. This case law has turned upside down all of those statutory elements and common law known as case law that we've had in the United States of America. Kyle Rittenhouse has transformed all self-defense laws in this single case. Jackson, what are your thoughts? 
Well, you touched on this and one of the most important things to keep in mind is that the only reason we know who Kyle Rittenhouse is and the only reason that the right wing has turned him into a lifelong icon is because he did what he did at a Black Lives Matter protest. You know, people go around and commit shootings and murders all the time, but this one specifically happened at a Black Lives Matter protest. And because of that, it gives, you know, whether it's Black Lives Matter or the LGBTQ community or raising taxes on the wealthy or anything that unifies us in any type of way that categorizes us as the others, it's ammo for them to just go against it. And one of the things that Kyle Rittenhouse pointed out in the interview that's getting ready to be released that we saw is basically him saying that his trial was unfair. Yet he's now a lifelong right wing icon after walking away free from murdering two people across state lines. What drove him to, what drove a 17 year old kid to drive across state lines with an assault rifle? Because it was a Black Lives Matter protest and those right. people are trying to, ah, like, nah, that, clearly that's what it was. Yeah. You know, and oh, I'm, I'm not a racist. I'm okay. But you wouldn't have been there if it wasn't a Black Lives Matter protest. So again, it's 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 the same old story, but because this is so blown up, and unfortunately, one of the differences between him and George Zimmerman is, like you said, they're going to keep him from being like just this perceived loser who's just like this big troublemaker. He's going to be all, and from what I can tell, he's better spoken than George Zimmerman, so they can kind of butter him up really well. And you know, yeah. we're we're going to be seeing him for a long time. I agree because they're going to make sure of it, right? They're mm -hmm. going to make sure that he's front and center in the in their cultural war. And here's what the right is really good at doing: they're good at selecting villains and selecting their own heroes, who really are villains, right? Think about the people that are their champions: Matt Gates, Donald Trump, Cal Rittenhouse. These are villains. These are not heroes. And for those who may say, "Well, Doc, there's no reason to believe that this court case." will turn upside down what we know is common self defense and more murders will take place. There's no reason to believe that. Let me challenge you on that notion. When states started to enhance and increase the castle doctrine, what do you think happened? You think less murders happened? Here's the stat, let's put it up. Texas, Texas A&M, A they did a study. Their study showed that justifiable homicides rose by 8% in stand your ground states. Damn, that's 600 additional killings connected to that law. Wow, all right, Jackson, I hate to say it, it pains me to say it. But more people are now, because of this case law, they're going to test it. They're going to go to a protest, be the adversary, the aggressor, the antagonist, kill someone and claim the Rittenhouse defense. And not only that, but they're going to be protected and the right's going to be ready to protect them as they do. You know, we're getting ready to go into election season. It's going to be really volatile. So all these cultural issues are only going to be really perpetuated throughout the media, you know, on an extended basis. So you're absolutely right. Let's go to the state of Georgia. All right. Georgia denies mistrial to the defense. Um, this was another issue inside of the murder trial of those, the McMichaels and Brian who killed Ahmaud Aubrey, okay? Uh, attorney Kevin Gall, 
the attorney, complained last week. When Reverend Al Sharpton joined Aubrey's mother and father inside the Glenn County courtroom and said he feared the presence of the parents pastor could influence the jury, telling the judge, we don't want any more black pastors coming in here, all right? So remember, this guy has been trying to get a mistrial with all of his tactics. And the judge peeped game on this, but here's the new one, here it is. Third parties are influenced in this case. They've been doing it from the gallery in this courtroom. They've been doing it outside. <clears throat> this is what a, a public lynching looks like in the 21st century with all due respect. They don't have to have 10,000 people outside. They don't have to have 100,000 people outside. Perception is reality. We have, we have sealed these jurors off, we hope we have. We have sealed them off, and it doesn't matter how many people are outside, it doesn't how violent they, they appear to be, it doesn't take much. Just because they haven't put a, a gallery up, uh, uh, they haven't put a podium up outside with, with a hangman's noose on it, doesn't mean that this isn't a trial despite the best efforts of this court. <clears throat> This isn't a trial that's been infected by mob violence of a woke left mob. This is what a mob dominated trial looks like in the 21st century. And we're asking for the mistrial. All right, the uh, court, having heard from the movement as well as the parties, uh, denies the motion for mistrial. Uh, I think. Court's position has been accurately stated previously. I thought appropriate, given the mistrial filed, that um, we have it on the record. Damn shame, but I said this last week. I said this last week. I said this guy is literally saying these things about he doesn't want black pastors, that he doesn't want Reverend, uh, Reverend Al Sharpton or Reverend Jesse Jackson. And by the way, Jesse Jackson had not even been to that courtroom. Even though he said he had been there, he wanted Jesse Jackson in that courtroom. 200 pastors responded, and rightfully so. They should have responded. They should show that community is connected to this trial. I have no issue with that whatsoever, okay? More than 200 pastors gathered on Thursday outside the Glen County Courthouse in coastal Brownsburg, Georgia. Organizers said it was a response to defense attorney Kevin Gall's previous comments that he did not want any more black pastors in the courtroom. And I said this last week on Indisputable. When it happens, when these black preachers go there, and they should, they absolutely should be there. White preachers should be there as well, by the way. When they do, this attorney is going to claim, oh, my client cannot get a fair trial, mistrial. Well, the judge has summarily denied it once again, okay? We clearly see what he's doing. He's setting this trial up for appeal. That is it, and he's hoping that he can get a favorable judge at the appellate level to overturn the conviction that is likely to happen with these killers. Jackson, what are your thoughts? Well, the saddest thing about the antics that we saw him do is that 
What does, even if there were 10,000 people outside of the church, what does that have to do with the fact that Ahmaud Arbery is no longer alive? You know, what does that have to do with the fact that he was pursued by these two gunmen and murdered for no good reason? You know, so it, absolutely nothing changes the fact that an injustice was taken out and that we routinely see people, you know, in this position, as we were just talking about with Kyle Rittenhouse, get away with things that other groups simply couldn't. So, you know, it's good that the judge was not really, you know, trying to hear it because it was really a desperate attempt that had no basis in reality. And I would argue this was not his most desperate attempt because literally this same attorney made a motion for a mistrial because Ahmaud Aubrey's mother dared to cry inside of the courthouse, okay? He made a motion for dismissal based on that. Mm. Here's how the judge responded to that motion. The judge said, and I quote, At this point, I'm not exactly sure what you're doing. At this point, it's almost as if you're just trying to continue this for purposes other than just bringing it to the court's attention. And I find that objectionable from the court standpoint. You see, the judge has peeped the game that this attorney is playing inside of his courtroom. But see, the judge should have done something when he peeped the first game. Remember Jackson, the first game was when the judge even acknowledged that him striking 12, excuse me, 11 of the 12 remaining qualified black jury members, that when he struck 11 of the 12, the judge even said, it looks discriminatory. Yeah, I mean, how could it not? <laughs> you know, let's get rid of all of them but one. Just, just keep right. one. <laughs> you know, what I'm saying like, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, yeah, it's quite insane. All right, um, let me show you a video. Uh, police officers, uh, they decide to pepper spray and tase a kid in school. Here it is. <laughs> do not deceive you, you saw a black kid being physically handled by these cops, tasered, already pepper sprayed, black kid, right? You see a white kid 
trying to provide aid to the black kid. Not following orders of the police, being antagonistic and understandably so. Did the cops decide to taser the white kid? Did the cops decide to arrest the white kid? Did the cops even pepper spray the white kid? No, let me give you some background on this situation. A video shows police officers using a stun gun on a child twice at a high school in Little Elm, Texas. The student had already been pepper sprayed during a protest. All right, this is about a protest. Here's what the protest was about. Fox 4 reported that the incident occurred on Friday during a protest over a sexual assault allegation involving a student. The district claims that is not true and said inaccurate information in a social media post about an incident a month ago um, spurred the protest. Police were allegedly called to calm things down. Way to go. One student, a TikTok user, KJIS Great, posted a video of himself in action attempting to assist the student who had just been hit with a stun gun. The footage shows the black student had been stunned before the video started. In the video, police shot the child again, though he was already incapacitated. Previous research, and I'm going somewhere with this. But before I go to this part, before I go to that, I want to remind everyone that this is systemic. This is not a silo. This is not a one off. It is systemic that black children, in particular black males, are treated more harshly than their white counterparts. You just saw it. Now, what you just saw was not something that happens just once a year. This is systemic. It is institutional, it is the reason why people even study critical race theory. Because the bias is not something localized, but it is systemic. Here's the systemic part you should pay attention to. Previous research has suggested school administrators treat black students differently than their white counterparts. National data collected by the US Department of Education's Office for Civil Rights showed that black students were more likely to be suspended from school than white students. Black male students represented 8% of enrolled students and accounted for 25% of students who received an out of school suspension. And when you look at the cross tabs of that data from the Education Department, you will find that this data set also connects to the behavior, meaning they are being suspended at that rate based on the same behavioral issues as their white counterparts in the school system. But their white counterparts are not receiving that same level of punishment. Jackson thoughts. Well, this type of stuff, I actually, and you probably have as well, just the type of environment that you came from. You know, this is the type of stuff that's pretty routine in yep. elementary schools, even middle schools, high schools. You know, walking home from school where I grew up in St. Louis, you know, I used to be 
you know, fights and stuff all the time, but police would pull up and like enthusiastically be ready to fight. And I was in the sixth, seventh, eighth grade, you know, ready to fight with us. And, you know, um, I saw things like that happen um, a variety of times where police beat up kids, you know, looking back when we were 14, 15 years old. And these are grown men, and, and this is completely unnecessary, other than this is what they think that they're supposed to do. And this is what how they think they're supposed to handle these types of situations. And if that wasn't the case, then the statistics wouldn't be what they are that you just read out. That's right, well said. All right, we're gonna continue to follow that story. Because as of now, we do not have any type of update as far as what the school is going to do or that jurisdiction to those cops. We got more on the other side, it's indisputable, stick and stay. All right, welcome back. Ladies and gentlemen, I wish you Karen would. You wanna call the police on them for having a barbecue on a and Sunday? You're gonna feel free. I'm going to tell them there's an This is what happens when you're raised privileged, when you're raised racist, the rules do not apply to you. I'm comfortable saying all of this. And the reason is because I'm a former high school teacher myself. There are some things I observed here. Let me first applaud this school teacher for keeping her cool, okay? The student who decided to call her mother where she was in the middle of verbally abusing and physically abusing a school teacher called her mother because her mother is her refuge. Her mother is her safety. You see, if mama didn't teach you those things, that's the last person you're going to call hell. You don't want mama to even come into the school if that's contrary to what your mother has taught you. But if it is aligned, with the ideology of your parent, then you call your parent first because your parent is going to back you, or at least that's what you think. Let me give some background to this very awful scene. A white student went up to a black teacher in a Texas classroom and slapped her hard on the arm before threatening to call her mother. In the video that was shot by a fellow student, the unidentified pupil from Castleberry High School in Fort Worth could be seen striding up to the front of the classroom before hitting the teacher on her arm as she cried as she tried to make a phone call. The educator had been using a phone set on her desk and then the riled up student attempted to hang up the call and lashed out physically. Now, despite this video going viral 
It was at 130,000 views, it got way more now. Uh, the Castleberry High School has so far not explained the incident or what led up to the extraordinary outburst. Well, we have enough explanation for us to talk about it. All right, Jackson, what are your thoughts? I think you pointed it out great is that you know, if you're in high school in any type of environment and you're still under the tutelage of your parents and in their house, you're not gonna call them unless you feel safe doing so. Yep. And unfortunately, you know, we see a young girl who's growing up in a very chaotic environment and she's got some you know, she's got a lot of tough lessons and tough times ahead of her as she goes through life looking at things the way she does. Yeah, and as I always say, this is a reflection of the parenting. These individuals, these children are in training. They are not 100% in my opinion responsible for all of their actions. They're responsible for much of it. But there's a parenting dynamic here that has to be called out to the forefront. All right, I got something for everybody, double dose. You wanna call the police on them for having a barbecue on a Sunday? I feel free, back off! I'm gonna tell them there's an African American man threatening my life. Oh my God, oh my God, he just threw water at her. He just threw water at her, bro. I cannot actually believe my eyes. Four, seven, seven. I cannot actually believe it. And she's sitting there just chilling, watching the house go up in flames. Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. This is this is now turned into a serious, serious thing. Get out of the house. You know, I said something two weeks ago, I gotta take it back. I said that I thought we found the Karen of the year. Obviously, I spoke way too soon. This, ladies and gentlemen, is the Karen of the year. Jackson. <laughs> I love how she's just sitting with her legs folded. It looked like she was reading a book or something like that. But Karen's do you know, what Karen's do, brother. They're gonna do what they do, and they're gonna be comfortable with it. You know what I'm saying? And ain't nobody stopping them. But you know, it, it's just she's clearly out of her mind because you know the, you're probably going to jail. You're not just gonna get away with burning a house down. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like so, so yeah. I hope it was worth it. <laughs> I don't know what the argument was about. I don't know what started it, what was the catalyst. We may find those details out this week, but it was an argument. The argument, no matter what words were said, should not have ended in you burning up a home and then sitting to watch it. That's some Hollywood stuff, like who would think to do that? Right, that's exactly, that's like a (laughs) script or something, right? Okay. All right, uh, we got more on the other side. It's indisputable. Stick and stay. What's happening? Welcome back. We got a lot of show left. Five Georgia cops, okay? They have been indicted for murder. This is a really interesting story. You got to pay attention to it because this is what happens when you have a DA 
who applies the law equally. Five Georgia cops have been indicted on murder charges after the death of a 24 year old man. The DA, his name is Darius Patillo, a young black male who does not seek any media attention whatsoever. He simply applies the law fairly, okay? This story gets deep. The officers tasered this young 24 year old 15 times. The man was naked, here it is. Game bread. Hey, get on the ground, dude. Look, man, get on the ground. Get on the ground, man. Go ahead and hit him. Give it to him again. Roll over. Roll over. Roll over. Roll over. Roll over. Roll over, dude. Roll over. You're going to do it again. Roll over. Moby, go ahead and start this way, bro. Dude, roll over. Roll over. We need you some help, okay? Get on your stomach. Get on. Ah, roll over, dude. Come on. Roll over. Whatever it is you're on, it ain't worth all this. Roll over, okay? Roll over on your stomach. Oh, you ain't got to get to that. Right. Then you never stop. Roll over. Roll over on your side. Roll over. Ah, ah, ah. Hey, you, you got a taser in that? I'll grab him if you're tasing. Roll over, hit him again, roll over. You ever been tasered before? Know what it does to your body? Makes your muscles move in ways that you're not controlling them. Your bodily functions start doing weird things. You get tased multiple times, you go into shock. You can't hear or perceive as you normally would. They know all of this, they took the training, they're certified. They know all of this. So when they say, get on your stomach, tase him again. They know that he's not comprehending as if he is normative in that moment. They know this. It didn't stop there. They then decided to pile on this naked man who had no weapons. To pile on top of him. Here's the second video. Sit on him. Sit on him, y'all. Somebody get on his back with him. Put your weight on. Do what you might do, I'm gonna kick your teeth off. Stop, if you move. Stop popping. Step on that wall. Step on the wall. Dude, kick your head down. Are you serious? Alright, 
I just didn't want to have to beat the board to death. Now, that's what happened the last one we did. A taser got me pretty good. Get the shackles on him. You think they gave a damn about killing him? Hmm? Protect and serve, right? These are gangsters. These are criminals. These are thugs. They don't care about life. They don't care about protecting a damn thing but themselves. Let me give you some background to this, okay? Uh, let's put up a picture of Mr. Uh, Fernando Rodriguez, all right? He's dead now because those cops killed him. Those cops have been indicted by a grand jury. Uh, Fernando was 24, was naked and walking on a road after attending the Imagine Music Festival at the track in Hampton, Georgia. Uh, this was on September 20th, 2019. When the officers confronted him, used a stun gun and then piled on him, according to the Henry County DA's office, and then edited body camera video. He died at a hospital days later, uh, and a state medical examiner ruled his death homicide by asphyxiation. After two days of testimony, a county grand jury returned an indictment for each of the five officers Friday on one count of malice murder, two counts of felony murder, and one count of aggravated assault. The DA's office said the grand jury also charged each officer with one count of violation of oath of office. They were identified as Henry County Police Officers Robert Batura and Quentin Phillips, and Hampton Police Officers Marcus Stroud, Gregory Bowden and Mason Lewis. There's also a wrongful death lawsuit filed by the family. The officers should have given the man medical aid instead of continuing to restrain him. Instead, they waited for an ambulance to arrive. Rodriguez's family ultimately accepted a $3 million settlement from the Hampton police. They are still pursuing legal action against the Henry County police. All right, that's according to the Atlanta Journal Constitution. Let's put up a picture of the chief of the Hampton police. His name is James Turner. Hey, Chief Turner, since you don't want to let us know the picture or give us the picture of your cops, well, your picture would do. Um, same thing with the Henry County Police Chief, Mark Ammerman. Let's put up his picture, okay? They're the guys ultimately responsible for this pack of criminals. Uh, and let's put up a picture of the good guy. His name is DA Darius Patillo. See the difference? Because he is willing to apply the law equally, fairly, justly. Five cops have now been indicted for murder in Henry County in Georgia. Jackson, thoughts? I think you pointed it out perfectly that you know these cops demonstrated behavior of basically th bored thugs with nothing to do who see a bystander walking by and decide to just gang up and bully on them. You know, under no circumstances was this necessary. Uh, you know, you would think that if you saw someone walking naked down the street, they're probably on drugs or probably intoxicated or not doing well, and they likely can be talked down. Yeah. You know, with some form of softer negotiation, but they pulled the taser straight out. So we, they killed them on purpose. That's what they set out to do. Yep.
racist, white supremacist prison guards work with impunity in the state of Florida. That's according to a new report. Let me give you some background here. The Associated Press recently released a story that detailed multiple incidents of white supremacist prison guards abusing inmates and sometimes even being adversarial to black coworkers, okay? In June, three Florida prison guards who boasted of being white supremacists beat, pepper sprayed and used a stun gun on an inmate who screamed, I can't breathe at a prison near the Alabama border. The next day, the officers at Jackson Correctional Institution did it again to another inmate. If you notice these two incidents were people of color, they, the guards, let it be known they were white supremacists. The inmate Jamal Reynolds wrote, the black officers and white officers don't even mingle with each other. Every day they create a hostile environment trying to provoke us so they can have a reason to put their hands on us. Some Florida prison guards openly tout associations with white supremacist groups to intimidate inmates and and black law enforcement colleagues. A persistent practice that often goes unpunished according to allegations and public documents and interviews with a dozen inmates and current and former employees in the nation's third largest prison system. Corrections officials regularly receive reports about guards membership in the KKK and criminal gangs, according to former prison inspectors and current and former officers. They know about it, they know it's happening. They know that these guys are working inside of the system and they are criminals, they are white supremacists. Still, few such cases are thoroughly investigated by the state prison inspector. Many are downplayed by officers charged with policing their own or discarded as too complicated to pursue. I've visited more than 50 prison facilities and have seen that this is a pervasive problem that is not going away. Democratic Florida State Rep Diane Hart. It's partly due to our political climate, but those who work in our prisons don't seem to fear people knowing that they are white supremacists. Let's put up a picture of some guys. I want to tell you about them. Okay, you see them? In 2017, three current and former Florida guards, Charles Newcomb, Dave Elliott Morin, and Thomas Jordan, driver, who were KKK members were convicted after the FBI caught them planning a black former inmates murder, okay? This summer, one guard allowed 20 to 30 members of a white supremacist inmate group to meet openly inside of a Florida prison. A black officer happened upon the meeting, they told the AP, and later confronted the colleague who allowed it. The officer said their incident report about the meeting went nowhere and the guard who allowed it was not punished. It goes on and on. Now, we've exposed white criminal gangs right here on Indisputable. At one point, I ran the mugshot of the largest gang bust in the southern region of the United States of America, okay? These white supremacist gang members 
were plotting and planning and doing criminality and they were going unnoticed. Jackson, what are your thoughts here? My thoughts are that you know a prison guard is really the perfect occupation for a white supremacist because you're primarily dealing with people who are considered to be outcasts of society. Primarily people in prison are blacks and Latinos and people really don't pay attention to their health and their well being because they're considered to be outcasts of society. So you know it's good that there's been a little bit of justice and a little bit of spotlight. But as you pointed out, this happens all over the country because again, this is just an area where people really aren't paying much attention to. And if you're a low life, what's a better place to work than to go hurt people who are in prison? Wow, yeah, all right. This is one of those stories where if you don't believe white privilege is a thing, obviously they do. There's a Trump fan, okay, who hopes his jailhouse friendship with R. Kelly will convince the judge to be easy on him. I kid you not, let's put up a picture of this guy, okay? This is a Queens man faces up to 10 years in prison after he was convicted of threatening Democratic lawmakers after Donald Trump's election loss. But his attorney says his time in jail with R. Kelly proves he should be let go. The judge should be, should be lighter on him. Um, Brandon Hunt, <laughs> let's put up his picture again. Brandon Hunt, we got his picture, all right, there he is, all right. An aspiring actor who after his arrest was fired from a clerical job in the New York courts, encouraged the public execution of Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, and AOC. Shortly after the January 6th insurrection. As evidence, now I want you to remember, they are claiming this as evidence of why he should not be in prison. As evidence of his artistic talents and his ability to, and I quote, find positive ways to endure troubles. His lawyers included in their sentencing memorandum portions of comic strips. Mr. Hunt drew while incarcerated. One of them featured the disgraced R&B star R. Kelly, who was among Mr. Hunt's rotation of cellmates before Kelly's racketeering and sex trafficking trial. So he has a comic strip, wait a minute before you put it up. He has a comic strip of him working out with R. Kelly, I guess. All right, here it is. They're calling that genius. They're saying because this guy is so amazing at taking lemons and making lemonade. And he's such a prolific artist. And because he was cellmates with R. Kelly, I mean, come on, judge. Fortunately for us, they do not have the judge in the Kyle Rittenhouse case, Judge Schroeder. Thank God, all right? Because Schroeder probably would have went for it. Um, the pair, I'm talking about R. Kelly and uh, Mr. Hunt, they actually did live together for a brief period of time in the summer. And Hunt drew comics showing them lifting weights. They went in jail, all right? When I say live together, I'm talking about cellmates, not roommates. 
they were lifting weights, uh, practicing yoga, and discussing music. Which his attorneys uh, will argue shows that the 27 year old was not a violent white supremacist. Uh, the US Attorney's Office in Brooklyn will ask uh, Judge Pamela Chin to sentence Hunt to four to five years, while defense attorneys will ask for his release after serving 10 months in custody uh, because of this right here. Put up the picture again. Let's put up the artwork. All right, if I'm the judge, I'm tacking on an additional five years for that garbage. <laughs> I'm doing the exact opposite here, okay? Jackson, the reason why I say this is the ultimate white privilege defense, a black person or a person of color, we don't have the creativity to even think that a drawing like that with R. Kelly <laughs> working out inside of a cell. I would what think inspiration. If my, come on, man. If my attorney <laughs> said that, I would fire my lawyer. Get the hell up out of here. Right. There's like, no right. way we're taking this to a judge. <laughs> Yeah, no, nah, man. In, in, in the centerpiece where they were like clapping hands and they were like brothers, that was the funniest <laughs> part to me because it's like, you know, I guess in his mind, you know, R. Kelly's, you know, like black and he's famous. So maybe this will make some type of connection. But, you know, black community really isn't too fond of R. Kelly because most of the people he did what he did to were black women. That's right. You know, so you kind of picked the wrong persons, but, uh, you know, good luck. And, and you know, let, let's publicly execute uh, state leaders. You know, yeah, this this guy, he he doesn't really know his left from his right, clearly. Yeah, and it's real unfortunate. He has obviously a, a, a an attorney who's probably just <laughs> as smart as he is, all right? For, for them to be segregated this. All <laughs> right, always a pleasure, brother. <laughs> you too. Right. Tell people how they can follow you, man. Check out your amazing work. Oh yeah, follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Politoscope app. We help keep you updated with legislation in Congress. And you know, just check me out on Rebel HQ. I do videos Monday through Friday, breaking down material, breaking down what's going on in here in this country. And you can catch me co-hosting as well. So appreciate you for having me. And it's always good to be here. Always, always do a great job as well. Thank you so much. Conversation is next. Remember, take care of yourself, take care of each other, take care of the planet. Remember the truth is always indisputable.